The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. All right, boys and girls, and welcome back to Brutal Nation. I'm your host, Scott Alexander, right across from me is the one and the only Tammy, the underdog, Underwood. Say hi, Tam. Hi, everybody. I'm not a wrestler. I have a question. In this corner. Actually, I have a, I have a serious question for you. Go ahead. Have you ever been tied up, Tammy? I hate you. <laughs> that is stuck in my I, head. I kind of knew where that was going when you <laughs> said I have a serious question. Because it's either that or what's the other one that you always say to me? Uh, it's not a serious question one. It's it's always, oh, no, it's always negative female inmate. That's right, but, but with the cutoff finger. Negative right. female inmate. Has to have inmate. that stump of a finger. Yep. <laughs> Which I'm still waiting to, I, I want to see that guard when I go visit prisoners. I know. Like, seriously, I, I, I wonder if laugh. he's even still, I mean, because he was quite a bit older than me, so... I wonder if he's, in, he's even still in the, you know... Oh, man, it'd be great if he was. I would Department laugh of Corrections. my ass off. And that's Dude, a lot of laughing. You would you would see him, I mean, because he's totally recognizable, even though he probably looks way older. I mean, he's a short stump of a man with a missing finger <laughs> yeah, that carries himself like he's a big dude. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So today we got part two of the Keith Jesperson call from uh, from the 21st on Saturday. Yes. Let's do some business. Let's do it. All right. Make sure that you check out our Etsy account for uh, for your t-shirt needs as far as serial killers. I think that you guys will all like it. It's serial killers with our twisted sense of humor on it. Yep. Uh, <laughs> check out Citizens of Brutal Nation, which is our discussion forum page thingamajigger on Facebook. There, oh, then there'll be links in the in in the description yes. as well. That's yeah, that's yeah. There'll be there. links to everything in the description. Not so. everything is not linked to like me getting naked. You got to special for that. You got to pay. You, that's part of this special paid version of Pornhub. <laughs> oh, brutal! That's right, man. I dropped my pants to smack my own ass. I'm a sexy bitch. I'm a bad boy. <laughs> I'm a bad boy. Come spank me. But that's only part of the premium membership. <laughs> that's right. You got to be a premium member to see the ass smacking the nipple tassels. <laughs> Me with a ponytail wig on or a, a pigtail wig on. I'm a bad, dirty boy. <laughs> Gonna die. <laughs> you okay over there? You're horrible. <laughs> Absolutely horrible. It gets harder and harder to try to kill you with my humor. <laughs> that's just that is you always manage to do it now. Right, as, and you can't even see me, so it's like, how do you know? Right as I'm about ready to drink, so I like get it everywhere. <laughs> ESP, man, extra Scotty power. <laughs> uh, All yeah. right, let's get right into this part two of Keith, the Keith Jesperson calls, where we're going to continue the story that he mm-hmm. was uh, telling uh, from the last episode, uh, being in Fallon, Nevada, in a right. casino. Yes, and it's actually a really funny story. So let's get right, right into that. All right. Welcome back. Keith. All right. Okay. So, so there's a good story here, and I've I've tried to tell it to other people around the place. But so back in 1993, I was leased on with uh, Ranger Transportation in Jacksonville, Florida, and I had my 1989 Peterbilt and with a, a, a 48102 sleeper, I mean a reefer there. And what ended up happening is I was hauling bombs, of all things. 
I was hauling bombs for uh, the military from Umatilla down to Hawthorne, Nevada. Um, and it might, they may not have been loaded. They might have had no dynamite in them or anything like that. But I was hauling, you know, military stuff down. And I was stopping in Fallon, Nevada. And I'd stop at the, at the Stockman's Casino. And I would gamble, you know. And, and then my, uh, I met this woman in there, Karen Ruiz, and she's a really nice lady. And uh, we'd meet there uh, at different times, and I would, I would play Nickel Kino. And at the, very, at the very same time, I would play live Kino. And if you ever played live Kino in the casinos down there, you, you know they have a tracking number on them. They, have, they, they, they dictate the date, the time, how many, how many games you're playing. So it's kind of a record So when you play that game, right? So I was stopped in there at that casino one morning. It was like 6.30 when I pulled in, and, and I had to go down and get some money out of, my, uh, out of an ATM card, which it probably had one in the casino. I didn't know that. But I went down to the bank and got it, and I turned around, and I parked across the street from Stockton. There's a mobile home sales across the street, so I parked along the curb. And I walked in about 6, 6.30 in the morning, and I had breakfast with the owner of the casino. Mm-hmm. And we, then, I, then I got over to Nickel Kino, and then when the live kino started up, I started playing that. And Karen comes in, and we're playing, uh, we're side-by-side, side and we're grab-assing and stuff like that, and everything's okay. And we, we're there for quite a while. About 12.30... Uh, there's a page over the intercom. Will the driver of the semi-truck or parked across the street come up to the register? And I'm like, oh, shit, what, what now? Maybe someone, I thought maybe someone ran into my truck uh, or stole something or, or, or it's a crime scene now or some stupid thing. But I had a, a distinctive truck. Mine was that uh, plum crazy color on it. Right. There's only so many of those trucks around. And so I was just, I was just my mind was going Every which way, what the hell do they want me over there for? So I walk on up. Now, Karen's kind of wondering, because she was sitting there, and her brother was there, and his brother's wife. We're all sitting there, kind of one happy little group there. I walk on up. There's a cop standing there, and I go up there. Yeah, what do you want? He says, uh, you driver of the truck across the street? And I said, well, yes, I am. I need to talk to you out on the street. I'm going like, wait a minute, man. Maybe, they're got, maybe they caught me. I didn't have anything in Nevada. Mm-hmm. But maybe they're they're chasing me or something like that. Anyway, so I go outside, and right off the bat, he says, up against the wall, and he shakes me down. And he, I look around, and there's like five cop cars around my truck. Wow. You know, there's one in the back, there's a couple in the front, you know, whatever. And, it, and they're all flashing lights and making a big scene of this whole thing. And I said, what the hell's going on here? And he said, about a half an hour ago, you fueled up at the truck stop about 20 miles away. You never paid for your fuel. So we're going to hear, we're, you know, we've got witnesses to say that you are the one that's involved in this thing, and you need to come talk to me and over here. So anyway, I said I didn't do it. I've been here all morning. I can prove that my truck hasn't moved all morning. And I said, he said, yeah, right. Okay, so I, I, he walked with me over to my truck. I pull open the hood. This truck has been stopped since 6 o'clock that morning, and it's like March in Nevada, and it's cold, right? right? And I put my hand on the turbo. I said, put my hand on the engine of the turbo. I said, see? And I pulled back. It's, the skin ain't coming off my hand, right? It would have been if it was running in the last half hour. And, of course, he says, I don't mean shit, right? 
And I said, well, okay, well, how much fuel did I supposed to have gotten? He said, 100 gallons. 100 gallons. You're, all of this for 100 gallons of diesel fuel, for Christ's sake? I reach over and I got a stick behind my seat. So I stick my tank. My tank is like maybe a quarter full. Maybe. Because I, I, I was gonna, I was actually going to go to that very same ga- uh, fuel station and, and fill up. <laughs> but <laughs> I hadn't made it there yet. I was gambling, right? Right. So I, I stick the tank. I said, there's no fuel in there. What do you think I did with the 100 gallons of fuel? And he said, well, you might have pulled over and, and pumped it off somewhere. And I said, you're full of shit. Yeah, why said, would you well, do we that? Have wit- we have witnesses, right? And they have two girls in the back seat of this car, this cop car. And I walk over there, and they're pointing at me. Yeah, that's the guy. That's him. He's the one that did it, right? And I look right at the cop. I said, all right, I can prove, okay, when exactly did this happen, right? I asked them, what time did this happen when this thing said, and they told me it was like uh, uh, 10 minutes to 12, you know, or something like that. It was like right in that care, but it was like 10 minutes of noon. That's when this happened. I said, and you people are here like within 45 minutes. Here we are, right? right. I said, have you played Keno? And the guy looked at me and said, yeah. And he says, well, just so happens. I pulled out my pocket full of Keno tickets. I said, here, I got a, a ticket I paid for five minutes before this supposedly happened 20 miles away. Right. Here I got one 10 minutes after this supposedly happened. 20 miles away. So apparently my truck is Starship Enterprise, <laughs> and I can Warp travel speed, at light speed to get here, and somewhere along the way I burn up 100 gallons worth of fuel. Yeah, you were beamed up. That's that's what happened. Scotty and beamed said, you this up. Is, <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is the deal here. I have, and if you look up there on that building, you see those cameras up there? Yeah. I'm sure if I get the owner, who I had breakfast with this morning, to pull up the tapes on that, they'll show that my truck's been sitting there, and maybe they'll tell me when you people got here. And you know, this guy raised his finger and did a twirl with it, and everybody left. <laughs> they, wouldn't, they didn't stick around. It's a, so I went back, and, I, and, and the owner of the casino asked me, what was that all about? And I told him, and he says, well, well, let's see here. And he, was in, he goes back into his, his room, and he pulls up his tapes. He says, that damn cop that was talking to you was in, behind your truck an hour before the whole incident happened. Oh, really? Jesus Christ. So he was, this was a setup. This was a setup to entrap an out-of-state trucker because I had Florida plates on my truck. Right. They're trying to get me for something, and then there would be a punchline at the end. So, well, make this go away. You owe so many thousands of dollars. It might have been their beer money or some stupid thing like that. <laughs> Well, and the sad part is, though, is any court of law would never be able to use the witnesses, you know, eyewitness identification because they're not allowed to have you in custody in any way and say have a witness identify you. Because when they see you in some sort of custody, it's like they automatically subconscious think you're guilty. Yeah. The biggest thing I was thinking about was which murder were they after? Right. Right. (laughs) And, you know, the crime thing, I was going like, my God, they got me. Right. Why, why are we here? And then they said, I, I stole 100 gallons of the fuel. I'm like, you know, 20 miles away, I stole 100 gallons of fuel, and this is for 100 gallons of fuel. This is my, you got five cop cars here. Like flashing. <laughs> right. This is, this, is a, this is like Alice's restaurant t- picking up the garbage. <laughs> <laughs> you know? 
Yeah. You got the, you know, they're going to come out here and take pictures, you know, nine by ten, showing <laughs> circles and arrows and arrows, paragraph on the back of each one kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Make a big deal over 100 gallons of fuel? Gee whiz. What do yeah. you want me to do, pay for 100 gallons of fuel and then some? Make this go away? Uh, but they, the, the Keno tickets caught them. Right. This is what the whole problem was. Once I proved that I, I wasn't a person, they said, well, I guess we're going to have to go find another purple truck, right? <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah, because there's only so many of them, you know, plum, plum crazy colored Peterbilt's out there. Right. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was kind of a strange thing. <laughs> but anyway, you know, I, I have another little kind of a story that's similar to this. Uh, you know, when, on the Angel Sabrice case, everyone kind of wondered about how I met, you know, when I meet my victims, right. how did I meet them? Okay, so on, 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 on January 11th of 1995, I was in Chicago, Illinois, and my boss gave me a, a load. I was going to pick up at Castle Metals in North Chicago, and I was going to haul a load of steel to Castle Metals in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's two of us driving up there, two trucks and we went up there, and we had like a seven o'clock appointment to uh, get loaded. And we were both there at about six p.m. And we went in the staging. We we signed our paperwork. We all have our paperwork ready, and we're parked in the staging area. And of course, that's the time when us truckers get our sleep is when we're waiting for loading and unloading. Right. And so I'm laying. I go to back. I'm in a sleeper. I'm sleeping. And then at about ten o'clock that night, I, there's a knock on the door. And it's not my door. It's my the other truck's door. And the driver gets out, and he says, all right, we need you to pull in there. So they drive this guy in at 10 o'clock that night. Now, I go back to sleep, and I wake up at about 2 o'clock when there's another knock on my door now, and I'm told to enter the, the big building. This is a huge building. This is this got three lanes of traffic going in. You got You park on the right, you park on the left, and you got this yellow paint on the pavement. So where you park, well, you have to park within the yellow paint in order to get loaded. And so they moved me all the way to the end of the building, and I'm parked on the left side, and I'm just so happening in front of the other truck of systems that were was in there at 10 o'clock. And the guy comes over, the guy that's loading me, he comes to me and he tells me, um, you're going to have to pull over six more inches or I ain't going to get to load you. And I said, I'm, that's like a half a tire width, right? Right. He wants me to, and he's just being an asshole is what he is. That's all he is. He's just trying to be an ass. He's, he's a crane operator, and he has pull, and he figures that he can push us around kind of thing. And he says, I'm going on break, and when you when I come back, you better be moved over six inches. I ain't going to load you. So he goes on break, and I walk back to the other driver, and there's nothing on his trailer. He's been in there four hours, and there's no load on his trailer. Christ. And I asked him, what the hell happened? He said, well, he had me pull over here, and he had me pull over here, and he had me pull over here, and finally I'm over here. And I said, he's fucking with you. Yeah, that's what he's doing. He's screwing with you, and he's screwing with us. He's making us our lives miserable while he's doing whatever he wants to do. He's a crane operator. What do you expect, right? He works for a big corporation, and and he's got the he's he's got control of who we are, right? He's going to decide what 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 we do, what how how we get loaded, and everything. So anyway, he goes on this break, and he's sitting there. I can see him in the break room looking back to see if I started my truck or not, which I didn't. Anyways, he comes back, and he says, well, you've you got to move over six inches. I'm not going to load you. And I said, well, I'm not. Uh, I said, no, I'm not going to do that. And he says, he repeats it. And I tell him again, no, no, don't do it. Matter of fact, why don't you just go open that door? 
And he says, why? And he says, so I can leave. You're not going to load me where I'm at. I'm going to leave. And he says, no, I'm not going to open the door. And he said, well, then you have a phone around here. And he says, why? And I says, well, I want to call the police. And he said, why? So I can get you arrested for kidnapping. You're keeping me against my will. That's kidnapping. I don't care how you look at it. In the morning, I'll own this company. I'll fire your ass. And he says, well, why don't I just load you where you are? And I said, no, we're past that. We're way past that. I'm not going to, I'm not moving over six inches, and I'm not going to get loaded here. You're going to open that goddamn door, and you're going to let me go. So he, he reluctantly goes over, and he opens the door. And then I drive out, and I go over to where the shipping receiving office is. I grab my paperwork, and I walk in. I rip it up, and I throw it at the clerk, and I say, you people need to change your damn attitude. And then I get in that truck, and I drive back to Lake Station, Indiana, and I go to sleep. Right. About the next morning, I wake. I'm, I'm I'm awake, and then I go into this room, and they have a conference call going on. And uh, the driver that was there that night was there with me, and he tells uh, tells them what happened after I left. And he said, "Yeah, they loaded me within 15 minutes. I was out the door, right?" Mm-hmm. And I said, "Well, they want me to move over six inches, and in moving over six inches, I could have cut a sidewall out and a tire going against that steel rack. I'm not going to do that. Right. I was well within the yellow. This is we're doing you guys a favor. We're this is what we're doing. This guy wanted me to move over half a tire width, and uh, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to be played games with. We're there to do you a service, and that's what we're there for. Right. right. So we get done with the conference call now. The conference call had the owner of, of Castle Metals. They also had my boss. I could only imagine being a fly on the wall of this damn crane offer being pulled in. He said, what is this thing with six fucking inches? Right. <laughs> he's, probably, he's probably picking up trash around the place instead of running a crane anymore, right? Now, I'm sure someone remembers him or has heard him tell the story about being called on this. Right. But I bet he never, I bet he doesn't, you know, bluff anyone again if he is a crane operator. But he had a close call with a serial killer in, in, in Castle Meadows in North Chicago, right? Yeah. <laughs> I could have been a victim. Yeah. <laughs> he could have been a victim. But yeah, anyway, that's so right. <laughs> I, I'm given a load. I'm out, on the, out, in the, out in the yard. They give me a load going to Denver. I had two drops, one in Denver, one in San Francisco. And I take off and I drive. Now, this is the morning of the, of the 12th, and I drive all day and all night. And on Friday the 13th, now this is Friday the 13th at 8 o'clock in the morning on Interstate 76, just west of Sterling, Colorado, I have a tire blowout and catch fire. And what had happened, I talked about the slack adjusters, the automatic slack adjusters. And they bro- and this one had indexed up and it, it had caused a drum fire. And the only way you can put those out is with water because they're orange hot I pulled over and separated the trailer and everything, but that was that was uh, what had happened. I got a, a drum fire, and the truck burned to the ground, and another truck came along and picked up my load, and I went with him to Denver, then I, then I went on down to Boomtown uh, by Vegas, and then picked up another load going on down into Fontana where I got another truck to, to deliver back to Spokane. And I delivered the truck and a, and a load up to Spokane on on Thursday, the, the uh, 19th of January. And uh, then that day I met with my boss about the fire I had and with Castle Metals. 
But that night he put me in the Ritz Hotel in Spokane, Washington, and I got room 425, and then I walked down to the bar. And I was sitting in the bar, and I was watching people walk by on the sidewalk, and in walked this woman that never checked in. And came in the bar and sat down and, and ordered a beer. And I, I went over and I bought her another beer, and that was Angela Sabrice. Wow. Holy shit. Okay. And so that's how I met Angela Sabrice. I, after all of that, I bought, you know, they put me in a motel, in a hotel, and I came down to the bar, and I bought her a beer, and I said, you didn't check in at night. You want to spend the night together? And she said she's an exotic dancer. So the question was answered with a yes. Right. <laughs> right. And we went in, and of course, when the six o'clock morning, you know, when the wake up call came, I had only had very little sleep that night, by the way. I bet that you know, muffin. I don't yeah. understand why. Uh, <laughs> it's a mystery. Why. And then very little sleep that night. And then, of course, I, I'm given, you know, uh, as, I, as I go out, I'm thinking, I, I went over and I kissed her goodbye, and I. I wrote down on a sheet of paper how to contact me because I thought we had this great time that maybe we'd have another great time at another time. And I left her a few dollars to what was left in my wallet. It wasn't I was paying, I wasn't paying for sex. I was just right. giving her something for food for that morning. And I said, all right, call me, right? Because I want to do this again sometime. And, of course, that's how she was able to contact me later for me to pick her up. Okay. So, now, what number was she? What, what what victim number was she? She was she was number seven. Okay, that's what I thought. I just I wanted to make sure it was right in my head. Yeah, she was like, and, and when when she did call, what had happened that you know that Friday morning when I when I got up, I got in another truck and we went to Denver to pick up my truck, which was now fixed. And then I picked up a trailer and I hauled down to Pueblo, Colorado, picked up a load of frame rail, a, a railroad rail, for Seattle. And then I made it back to Cheyenne. When I got to Cheyenne, I got this message to call her. So I called her on the phone and found out she wanted to get the hell out of Spokane. When she found out where I, where I was, I said, I'm in Cheyenne, Wyoming. She said, um, my dad lives in Fort Collins, Colorado. Is there any chance you can give me a ride back to Fort Collins, Colorado? And only then did I said, well, you know, since I'm going up there, maybe I'll get a load coming this way. I'll, okay, I'll get you a ride to Fort Collins, Colorado. And that was it. I picked her up on the Monday following about about 12.30 in the morning. And so that was at 12.30 on the 23rd of, of January. Yeah, of, my uh, birthday. <laughs> yeah. A lot of things happen on your birthday. I know, so, dang it. <laughs> and so I picked her up, and I, hold, I went up to Seattle and made my delivery, and I picked up a load of cedar going back to Pennsylvania, and that's how I, drove, I, I was in the trip running back when uh, the following Friday and the killing her anyway wow. <laughs> well, that, you know, now you know how i found her how i found her is that um it, it was there's a lot of little things that happened along the way to make it happen yeah you know we forgot to mention though today uh today is uh january 21st that we're recording this this call it's the anniversary of you killing tanya bennett i know it is yeah, I, just, I wanted to make sure that my, our listeners knew that yeah. because uh, we totally glanced over. That's why Squatch and I, I call her Squatch, Tammy and I, um, <laughs> we're, we're actually heading out later today and we're going to retrace the route. Yeah. Yeah, why not? All, do that? all the way up to Vista House. 
it'll go up to Vista House and find out if it was really empty at night. Yeah, it huh. might be now, but, you know, back then, no, we not. all knew it wasn't. <laughs> no, it's not empty. That's where everybody makes out. They still make out. That's the local makeout spot. Oh, still? Yeah, I'm sure it is. I mean, I would. I mean, as old as I am, I'd probably still take my date up there. I'm not going to make out with you, Keith. Alive. I like you, buddy, but not alive. in that way. Alive, 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 <laughs> you know, alive. Come on. Keith is saying, me neither. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Stop putting... I know I've been in prison for a while, but not oh, that long. <laughs> well, this you is... need to take... You, you need to stand there in the doorway of the Fifth House Monument and take a picture. Oh, you yeah. Put your, camera, put your camera down on the ground and take a picture uh, of, of the area around it. This is where what people would have seen if they if Laverne and John were up there with with Tanya, right? The doorway of the fifth house. This is what they would have seen. Wow! And under this is their story. This is their story on what happened. It happened there, right? That night, and that's what I kind of want you to, to take a picture of that at night of of the area of of what they would have seen or what people would have looked back and saw. Right. 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 And, of course, they claimed it was a rainy night, but it wasn't. It was, I'm sure you went, to the, went down to the, uh, uh, the news agencies or, or, or tried to find a way to, to find out what kind of weather it was. Yeah. The almanac. Yeah. Get the weather almanac and find out. Oh, hell, we can, we can Google that. I know. Uh, that's that's, that's an easy find. Okay. We didn't yeah. Google that then. Yeah. That's an easy find, right? I mean, with today's technology. Um, yeah. Well. So this this was our question because we know that you kind of went, you know, that area. Whereabouts from the Vista House? What direction and how far from there was the body dump? Well, it, you, you go down, you, you head east on the scenic highway, which is roadway there. It right. drops down really steep, and right. it kind of hugs the it hugs the curve. Along the the edge of the of the hill, hugs the the hill all the way down. And then all of a sudden, it's very it's this one point. It takes a very hard left turn and it heads kind of a northwest in a straight line. Okay. And right there, there's a ravine, and that's the ravine that happened. And you can, I there's a there's a small bush. It's probably a big bush now, but right in the the center of the ravine, there's this, like a, I call this a finger tree. Because okay. I had outreach fingers that night when I was down there dropping the body off. I, I looked up and I saw these outstretched fingers in the moonlight. Okay. I was like, boo! So, as that, now, you know you've gone too far. When this road turns and goes on a straight line, and then it, at the very end of the straight line, there's a switchback. Okay. And the switchback goes to the right and comes back underneath, and it comes back underneath the hill where the ravine is. Okay. It's the very first ravine. If you were to if you were to kept following the road and the road never turned to your left, it would have fell down that ravine. Okay. So yeah, if you go if you get to the switchback, you've gone too far. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's you're you're, you're two or three ravines too far. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So it's the first ravine. The very first one, and it's okay. about eighty five feet down the hill. And that, that's when I saw the saw the car coming, and I ran back up to the car and, and took off and found out it was a cop car. Wow. And switchback. So when, I, when I hit the switchback, I come around the corner, my headlights hit the side of the car and said, Multnomah County Sheriff's Office. <laughs> so wow. That was close. Yeah, that was close. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, because they would have seen your car parked there and wondered what you were doing. They would have stopped. You know damn well yeah. they would have. Exactly. What, exactly. what is this lone guy, what is this lone person there was washing and plate parked along the side with his door open? Right. Right. And nobody's and in the car. And, yeah. He's not standing there pissing. Where's he at? He's trying down, hey, who are you with? <laughs> well, right. And You're was under it, arrest, young man. Didn't you disable your, I call it a dope light, but your dome light too? I did. I, yeah. I disabled it so that it wouldn't be on. So when I carried the body out to the car, that nobody would saw me put her in the front seat. Right, exactly. So, I mean, all of that looks suspicious, you know. Well, that's the same way they, yeah, well, they caught yeah. Arthur Shawcross as well. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, because he stopped on a bridge. At yeah, he stopped. Yeah, and they, and he stopped they were. on a bridge. Yeah. yeah and he, he, he uh, stopped on the bridge. He had just dumped a body, and, uh, and he was only like a mile away. From yeah. from the dump site where he was where he was dumping all of his bodies, he, he jumped out to take a leak, and there were flying choppers over there trying to locate more There's missing man. people. Yeah. yeah, and they go, hey, why you know it's the middle of the night? There's this car, and they actually followed the damn car mm-hmm. until a cop could pick it up, and got the license plate number and ran the plate, found out it was his girlfriend's, and then you know that's what that's what that's what busted yeah. him. And Arthur Shawcross is dead now. He died of a heart attack, I believe. Yep. Right. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a big to-do about his, too, because he tried to say that he was, you know, multiple personality disorder, so. Well, see, this is the problem with lawyers. Lawyers have their own agenda on how to, how to take care of a case. When they when they get a hold of you, uh, most people that are arrested allow the lawyer to run with whatever idea he has on defending you. Right. And sometimes these multi-personality disorders and stuff like this is all poppycock. Well, and then they, yeah, because they automatically, because we found out that almost everybody who's arrested for murder, especially serial murder, the defense automatically goes to, let us try to prove them criminally insane. Well, I am criminally insane. You're talking to me, aren't you? Okay. He, no. Oh, yeah. No, we're the ones that are criminal. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're yeah. regular oh, insane. Right. Yeah. We're no, regular. We, you we, know, we weren't convicted yet, so uh, we're like, regular well, insane. Well, I had, I had tried to help someone in, in court, and, and the guy was taking my advice. And uh, I was trying to say, well, you, to be, you know, to be a nutcase is what it is. And, and, and the press made a big deal. So, well, anyone that talks to Jesperson is a nut. I'm again. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, no. that wouldn't prove them in a court of law that they were insane. You know. No. <laughs> look at my, the problem with this, the guy I was choices. helping was that he knew where the body was and he knew how to done. He, he, he was hiding the evidence. You can't. If you're going to hide the evidence, you're not insane. Exactly. Exactly. You know. Yeah, I mean, you're, and, and and crazy people don't know they're crazy anyway. That's true. That's true. They think that their lifestyle is normal and everybody else around yeah, them is weird. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 And, that, and that's the problem with lawyers anyway. They, they, they want to play that game. They say, well, you don't know you're crazy, but you really are, and this is why we need to go down this road to give them, to, you know, give you a better deal. We're going to put you in a mental hospital for the rest of your life instead of in prison. Yeah. And I don't know. It would be like watching Sling Blade, right, the movie Sling Blade? I, I love that movie. <laughs> And you see the guy's dragging the damn chair across the floor. And yeah. He asks the, the guy, says, what, he says, I don't want to talk to you anymore. You know, yeah. uh-huh. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> and he likes his biscuits. I like my biscuits with mustard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, of course he does. But that's, 
But he was uh, he he was set in his ways, and that's how he took care of business. Yeah, exactly. He went over. He grabbed a he he grabbed a, a blade. Some call it you know some kind of a blade, but it's all I call it a sling blade. Anyway. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I mean, for people who have actually seen the movie, it's actually very touching because even though he killed people, he only killed when he noticed that they were harming others. Well, he killed bad people. Yeah, exactly. He's another Dexter. He's another yeah, Dexter. Yeah. That's true. This is this is how they play into this. He's another. He's doing the, a good thing by killing the bad people. Yeah. Even though, it, but other, but the One people would remaining. the people would call him bad for doing it. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and I'll call you right back. Okay. All right. I got one more call. All okay. Right. Now. All right. All right welcome now. back, Keith. Well, welcome. All right. So where were we? Scott's son just called me a terrorist. You are a terrorist. <laughs> Let me tell you what. Keith, is this gross or what? She puts black pepper on her freaking pancakes. Mm-hmm. Syrup and black pepper. What? Black pepper and syrup. Yeah. I eat my pancakes well, with syrup okay. and black pepper. That's all right. You, I put, can you only... put black pepper on eggs, don't you? Yeah. I only eat my cantaloupe with yeah. country gravy, and I like to put mustard on my biscuits. Oh, you're so gross. <laughs> you're so freaking gross. <laughs> We need well, a different Canada, serial killer to come take her. In, in Canada, we put gravy on our French fries. Yeah, right, oh, right. Yeah, yeah. And and, and poutine. poutine. Yeah, but no, yeah. I put I put country gravy on my cantaloupe. It's the only way I can eat cantaloupe. And I put mustard on my biscuits. And they call so me a gross. terrorist. You are a terrorist. <laughs> well, Osama bin Tammy. <laughs> the shoe fits, I guess. Wear it, right? And wear it with honor. <laughs> You know what? <laughs> yes. Yes, I God might have damn. strange eating habits, but damn it, it tastes good to me. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, don't where are we? Don't, where don't we? knock it if you don't try it. Okay. That's right. I tell him to try it all the time. He refuses. Nope. Gross. <laughs> okay. Got my limitations. <laughs> so, we were talking oh. about the exact location where the body dump was and everything. So, how far from the body dump did you go and what direction to drop the purse? Oh, that's that's five, six miles, probably, something like that. Okay. So so what I ended up doing was I, I went uh, back towards Troutdale. And okay. I, and that morning, up, you know, I was in the restaurant at the B-Bar-B restaurant, and uh, that's when the cops came in and surrounded my car, and I thought they were there for me, but they weren't. They were there what? to have a meal like I was. Uh-huh. And then um, the next morning I got in, I drove the same route as I was going up to the Vista House Monument, up the mm-hmm. Sandy River Road. Yeah, and as I drove up the Sandy River Road, the road elevates away from the river, right? And it climbs, starts climbing at the very top. It takes a really hard, sharp left turn to the uh, east. Okay. Now I went when I got to that point. I said, "I've gone too far. I'm going to go." There's a there's a small wide spot on the uh, east side of the roadway, mm-hmm. and there's a small tree growing out of that one area. And I pulled over into that, and across the way. There was a, uh, a tree stump, a big old cedar tree stump that was underneath the, the telephone line. Okay. And there was a path from that wide spot from that road going down into the river, which drops quite a ways down, that the fishermen used to go down there to catch steelhead or whatever. Okay. And so I drew the, I threw the purse and ID card, the contents of the purse, into the bushes to the left of the pathway, about 40 feet from the roadway, and about 40 feet from that, uh, the big old tree stump that was underneath the, the, the telephone lines. Okay. And that's like, 
I don't know how many miles from the I-84. If you went I-84 to the Sandy River uh, Roadway, which is the uh, Columbia Gore right. Scenic Roadway now or something like that, and you drove up there, and there's as you drive up past a few residents and so forth, the road starts to climb up. And, of course, there's blackberry bushes off to the side on the right. And on, on the left, there's a big there's a road that comes down off a hill to a stop sign. Right. And so it's like a Y. Right at that Y is where I told them where it was initially. And they had to look down that ravine there with all the blackberry bushes in that Y spot. Okay. And that's where they got all these scratch marks from going down there looking for it. Right. Then as I drove north, I drove south further from that, maybe a hundred yards or so, and that's where the wide spot on the left is with a tree there against the hill, and then there across the way is that pathway that goes down to the river where the people walk down and go fishing. Okay. Now I'm sure if you Google it, if you follow, I think there you could probably follow the path of that Google, and you might you actually might see it in the picture. Right, right, yeah, because you can get. Um google street view which yeah yeah that's what i hear you can so yeah. if you're driving if you're driving south on the sandy river road mm-hmm. as the road was climbing up you'd see a, a, a road coming down to a stop sign on your mm-hmm. left yeah it's very steep it goes yeah. up to the top a, on, on the top of the hill is a tree line the hill okay. is kind of barren of trees on okay. your left but on the very top is a bunch of trees and then and you look up ahead, you'll see where the road takes a sharp left turn, and along the right-hand side there's a bunch of poplar trees, I believe they're popular, that go along with the telephone line. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and, yeah, because that Google Street View is actually amazing, because I was, <laughs> this is a funny thing, and I told Scott about this, that um, after researching so many cases, you kind of get a feel for, like, the mindset of somebody. And there was an article that said that some guy, you know, dumped a body in a certain area, and, you know, and they kind of describe it a little bit. So I kind of, like, followed Street View down that road, and it's like, I'm sure it was right there. And then a couple articles later, it was exactly the place that I pointed out on the map. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had drawn this this out for... for Matthew Williams Phelps. Okay. And of course, I don't know where he put that. I don't think he's, he used it, but I could draw it again, I guess. Right. You know, something for your website that you could post and say, well, this is where it is, or maybe you can Google it and maybe send me right. a few pictures and I'll tell you yay or nay. Well, yeah. Well, because like I said, we're going to try to travel that route tonight. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I could take some pictures and, you know, print them off and send them to you and be like, hey, did I get this right? Yeah. You know, right. or, uh-huh. you know, or you could tell me, no, it was a little further that way, you know. Well, you but, take yeah. a, an overall picture. If you yeah. took an ever, if you stopped and you looked up the road and took a picture up the road, and I could send it back, I put X mark the spot on it. Oh, okay. We can do that. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> easy way. Yeah. And that's how I settled, that's how I settled, like, my, my Riverside County case. They they came to here, and they, they threw a whole bunch of pictures on on the table, and right. he gave me a magic marker, and he said, well, can you pinpoint where you put the body? And I said, well, yeah. And I looked down, and all these pictures were taken from 500 feet above in an airplane, right? Oh, yeah. And so I'm supposed to be able to see it from up there, but that's how my mind works. Right. I actually, when I look at something, I always look at it in every dimension that is because I'm an artist. I kind of look at it. That's the way I look yeah. at it. Have you always been an artist? So, 
Oh yeah, for you know quite a while. Okay. Yeah, because so when I looked at that, so when I looked at the pictures, I said, okay, this, okay, there's that log, okay, right there and right behind that, that's where I put it. X marks yeah. the spot. Give me another view from over here, and I say X marks the spot, and I hand it back from the cops. It doesn't get any better than that. Right. Well, see, it's right on. You know. Yeah, because the they did that with um, Sam Little too. You know, when he was confessing to those ninety-three murders after he got arrested in. I think it was 2012. Oh. But, oh. yeah, and so it was, you know, it was like they were, well, all the police were like, oh, my gosh, how could he point out exactly where it was all these years later, so, like 50 years so later? So if they wanted to prove, so if, if Multnomah County wanted to prove I didn't do it, why didn't they do that? Yeah, like they exactly. they take pictures and say, all right, show me where you put it, and then they didn't, they didn't want me to do that. Right, exactly. they knew I knew where it was. They yeah. knew I was the killer. They knew that. They just didn't want to admit that. Right. That's, <laughs> That's what true. the whole story's about. They knew I was the killer. They just yeah. knew that they were. They made a bet. They made a bet that the real killer would never come forward to get these people out of prison. They oh, made yeah. a bet that, that those two people were going to spend the rest of their lives in prison and mm-hmm. no one was going to come on to their rescue. Right. And when I did, that, oh, they just terrorized them. They were, they were right. shocked. This is this is not an isolated case, by the way. This happens probably a lot, and nobody really understands oh. why, but it does. Oh yeah. And yeah. and but they got caught this time. Well, and they yeah, got caught it, with their pants down. They were they were basically sitting there going like, "Now what do we do?" Right. We, we we put these people away, and now we have to fight to keep them in. Why? Because we don't want to look bad. But where? But the more they got, the more they tried to look not look bad, they look worse right right and yeah. see and i mean and the sad part is is in a lot of instances they would have still gotten away with it because the person who committed the murder doesn't want another one tacked on you know what i mean well yes and no but if, as, as a serial there comes a time when you have to you have to say to yourself i'm done Right, right, I'm right. Not going anywhere? There's no point in hiding this. Why not get it all out in the open? Let's move forward. Let's get it. Out. This is one of the, the things that, that I've done is that I haven't held back. I pushed my guilt down on every one of my cases. Right. Why is because I wanted to. I want. I don't want any secrets. Right. Right. I don't want. I don't want a, a jailhouse rat to all of a sudden come up with a, a ninth body or something like that. So this is huge, you know. So that he make right. a deal and I look like an asshole, right? For hiding it. Why not come forward and get and try to get as mu- as much done as you can? Why not try to find out the identities of my victims so that they have the families have closure? That's what right. the police want anyway. Right. But in but in trying to do that lately, they they've shunned away from the idea that the killer actually wants that to happen. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. They don't want it to happen. They want it to be the ones to do that, but at the same time, it costs money for justice. It's a problem with America. America's justice system is regulated by money. Yes, it is. It, it, it's, it's how much does this cost to do this? Is it is the cost effectiveness to take the case to trial or not? Exactly. Exactly. Look at the DNA. There's a lot of. A lot of DNA that's not being run, and you know why it's not being run? Because they don't have the money to run it. Yeah, or they, I if mean, because... If this government put 
billions of dollars aside and said, all right, this is for a fund to run all the DNA testing on right. all the evidence. Right. We have a lot of solved cases out exactly. there in the world. Exactly. I mean, because I know we, California, and I don't know if Oregon, I think Oregon does too now, is every criminal who gets arrested, they take a DNA sample. Unfortunately, they are so far backed up that they could take that DNA sample and not realize that they actually had, a, you know, like a murderer or a rapist in custody at the well, time. Well, they don't, they, yeah, but they don't have the evidence. The evidence isn't run either. Exactly, exactly. Everything is not, everything has to be run in order to, to catch the person. And, and, and there's a lot of people that are into the CSI movement that on TV all the time is now that's why we have we're having smart killers or they're all looking well I can do this and they're, they're not gonna run them my DNA until right. I, I can sit back for 20 years and they're not gonna find me I give yeah. I give hints on the show yeah about how to be a better killer and, and here's Scott why. always does too I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I turn out to be a total asshole but you know uh, this show's not gonna stop anybody from being a serial killer so the only thing that I ask yeah. them to do is number one give us first run at them and two be better. Be better than some <laughs> yeah. of the idiots that we have seen. Yeah, totally. You know, I well, always they need, my, they need my serial killer cat. That yeah, they do. You know what? That's we'll right. give out the address again. <laughs> yeah, they need my serial killer cat in order to become better serial killer. That's right. You know, be be the only serial killer on your block if you do it right. That, that is you know exactly what? That's it. true. I used to tell my mom because yeah. she used she was the one that got me into like the true crime documentaries and stuff. I said, I know why you're watching this. You want to commit the perfect murder. <laughs> well, you know that is that, you know they have murder she wrote. You know the, the the woman that wrote the book. Oh yeah. And the TV series murder she wrote, and everyone glued into that. I mean, I yeah. want to know how that murder happened. I want to know all this, and it's all about following the crime. Yeah, most of, exactly. Most of TV programs now is about following up some kind of a crime. Yeah, and and they all think about the perfect murder, the perfect murder. Well, I had the perfect murder. I killed a killed a woman. Two people stood up and took the blame for it. Totally, 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 totally. Yeah, you know? and I'm sitting there going like, "This is crazy." Yeah, and I'm the crazy one for coming forward and getting them out of prison. Yeah, there, there you, know, you that, go. That's, that's what they did. They're right claiming there. I'm crazy for doing that. And I'm like, really? I mean. That was the thing to do. Right. That was exactly. the one thing that screwed them over, screwed everybody over, is the fact that I did get them out. Right. And the moment I got them out, that made every one of my other cases go away, kind of like. They didn't want to take me to trial. Right. I never had a trial. Why? Because they don't want to have to worry about my advocates. These two people I got out of prison. They would right. come in and point at the prosecutors and assholes like that that put me there. That nice man over there that killed people, he, he got me out. <laughs> you know, and, and for people who don't understand, it's like, why would they call him a nice man? Because he got them out of prison. <laughs> There's very few people, even now, I mean, being in Oregon and in this prison, there's a lot of them in here don't even know that I got people out of prison. Oh, yeah, yeah. And there's a because lot of them happened... don't even know who I am. There's a lot of them really don't even know who I am because I'm old news. Right. right, it happened so long ago, yeah. Yeah, it's half these kids are not even born yet. You know, exactly. That 20, That's 27, right 28 there. years ago, 28 years ago, today. Yeah. Was well, when and, I started the murder. Well, and what's really yeah. bizarre about that whole situation, <laughs> about it's what you just 20, said. 28, 33 years ago, I'm sure to say. 33 right. years ago. 
Well, and what's bizarre about what you just... 28 years ago today, you know, it's, it's 28 years ago is when I got arrested. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Five years after the fact. Right. And because, yeah. I mean, <laughs> this is a funny thing about that whole thing about, you know, they weren't even born yet, is I went to band practice with Scott one time, and we were sitting around talking about my crime, and, you know, I, the two older guys in his band were like, oh, so in prison, does this happen, and does this happen? And his drummer looked at me and goes, I wasn't even born yet. And I'm like, I hate you right now. That's because Max is only like fucking 27, 12. 28. <laughs> and and he, he looks like he's 12. Yeah. Like, like for real. Like he looks like he shouldn't even be playing the venues that we play. Like somebody, where are your parents? And then I realized his dad shows up all the time. So that's legit. I mean, his dad, it's okay. I'm his dad. He could be here. Yeah. Are you over 21? Yeah. No. Yeah, because I was just like, you know what? I never thought about that until he said that. It's like so many people don't understand because they weren't even born at that time. Yeah. You know? This is old news. This is, yeah. This is water under the bridge. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, and a lot of people now, it's like they don't really get the concept of serial killer because they don't really talk about that in the news. More, It's more mass killers now. It's a mass you know? killer because they can't. Yeah. Ted Bundy would not be a serial killer today. Because of all the TV cameras and all the, oh, yeah. all the cameras everywhere. He would have been caught the first time. He would not have been a serial. He would have been caught the very first murder right. because of, he walked her home from the store. Right. Every every street corner would have had him walking her home from the store. Right. Exactly. Yeah. He would have been, you know? been caught the very first one, and that would have been the end of that. Right. Every street camera, every ATM camera, every cell phone camera yeah. where people are videotaping when, when down the road. When he went out with his Volkswagen, when he went out there and he had a, a, what, a broken arm, Yeah, he went out there and they would have taken his picture, sympathy, yeah. look at this poor, nice-looking guy, let's take a picture with him. You know, that was what they would have done with their camera. They wouldn't have had a selfie with him. Oh, yeah. Exactly. That was the end of that. He would not have gotten away with it. It would have been a done deal. He would have said, I need you to help with my, my my car, put my bike away or some fucking thing like that. They would have said, one minute here, let's take a selfie. Yeah. That's the end of that. <laughs> that yeah. is true. And actually, that's how one of the serial killers that I featured, I think it was last month, from Canada, who was called the Flower Pot Killer, because um, he buried his victims in flower pots. He was a gardener. That's how he actually got caught was the, the, the cops had no idea. Who was killing these gay guys in the, it's like a gay district, I think, somewhere in Canada. I can't remember where. I think it's Ontario. But um, they kept seeing repetitively this car. And I think it was was some red car, red Volvo or something like that, that had passed the same spot multiple times on the same day that this one guy disappeared. And they started tracking it down from there. And uh, that's how how we got caught. Well, it's always something little that catches you. Yeah, that's true too. That's it's true too. Something little. It's not. It's, it's, in my case, it happened to be the receipt for the yeah. car sale with my name on it. That's what caught right. me. Right. You know, they were looking for Chris. They weren't looking for Keith. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because didn't her she and her she, friends she call would tell you Chris? everybody that my name was Chris? Okay. She didn't want. She didn't want people to know who I was. Oh, okay. I was her. I was her sugar daddy, right? She's mm-hmm. a fair. She's afraid that some of her friends might decide that I was. I'd be better off with them. That, that makes sense, yeah. <laughs> right. So, were you guys yeah. actually engaged? No, that was oh. something she told everybody. She told everybody oh, okay. we were. 
Okay. So that it, it would, it would, so that why we were together, right? Why was she sleeping uh, in my truck with me? Gotcha, gotcha. Because we're engaged, we're getting married. I okay. met her three years before that, you know, in, in or a couple of years before that in 1993. Okay. But even then, I was, I, I said I, I need to get away from her because she was a good party animal. Just, just as base, the basis behind the whole thing was sex. Okay. Because he was a party animal. She said, I, I met her again. I thought, I have a, I had a few days to kill because my logbook was uh, no pun log, intended. You know, I, I needed time. <laughs> right. And so I wanted, I, I, need, I could spend a few days of partying with her. And I could, we could play and we, I could, uh, we could bet each other and that kind of thing. Right. And she had a problem. She had two DWIs and she needed someone to help pay her bills. Oh, okay. And That's how Scott met a couple of his I wives, would, too. <laughs> she, was, she was hoping that I would pay for her. I, I met her lawyer um, that was dealing with this, and her lawyer was asking me if I was going to pay her fine so she'd keep her out of jail. I said, are you out of your mind? Right, right. I'm not going to pay her fines. I said, she's the bad girl. She she broke the law. Right. She needs to serve her for time. She needs to learn a lesson. In the yeah. meantime, I'm going to take her to bed and screw the hell out of her. The right, hell yeah. right. You know, like yeah. I said, that's how I mean, Scott met a couple fair. of his ex-wives. <laughs> it's only fair, and this is what she and, and she uses the sex to uh, to uh, govern what I was going to do for her. Right, manipulate. You know, this, yeah, it's a manipulation game. That's what yeah. it is. Yeah, totally. And, and it's, it's nothing of you know, it's, it's just raw energy. Is all it is. It's, it's not a. It's not a. It's no love involved, really. We're both using each other. Right. I'm getting well, what I want. She gets what she wants, and maybe yeah. she doesn't want it as much as I do. But she wants her financial bills taken care of. Right. Well, yeah. in a roundabout way, you kind of debunked something else your daughter said because she has gone. I mean, she's spoken about it publicly. That at one point she went to stay with you at the coast for a while, and you introduced her to Julie as as Ju- you know Julie was your fiance. So <laughs> yeah, no, no. Yeah, my daughter's never met Julie. Right, and why would you yeah. introduce her as your fiance if you yeah, know no. it was just a sexual relationship? No, it, 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 she, at that time nobody had met Julie. Okay, my family has met because I was there in a the truck stop, and I was only there to uh, to let my logbook catch up with me. Right. You know, I done a I done a, all the way across the United States on one logbook in, in a few days, and I needed about three or four days for my logbook to catch me. Right, yeah, so your creative writing, and, right? <laughs> I had to wait for it. It's all in writing. I had to I had, right. to, I had to log my book in it so when I could finally tell my boss, "Hey, guess what? I can I have a, I can finally leave." Right. I was, at, I was at a point when I was going to say, "You know what? Give me someone else to drive with to run a team." I get tired of waiting. Right. I run a lot of miles. I did a lot of miles a day. I wasn't. I would. I would not stop. I would just sixty right. miles an hour all day long until wow. fuel or maybe a bike eat or something. But that was how I run. Right. Right. So I was waiting for my logbook to catch up, and I ran into Julie at the. I was walking out of the restroom. I was walking to the restroom. I looked up and I saw Julie talking to two people, and I got in the restroom. And I thought, Oh man, do I really want to meet her again? <laughs> right, <laughs> and then when I came out, she was still there, waiting okay. for me to get out. She saw me go in. She waited for me to come out, so she knew that you know her and I had hooked up 
you know, a couple of years before and everything was okay. And we had, you know, we shared the bed together a couple of years before that. And, uh, it was a no, no brainer kind of thing. She just hopped in the truck and we went to Juba's truck stop and, and played pool and drank and she did all the drinking. I don't drink. So Scott, that they went to Juba's. <laughs> What's that? I said, Scott, they went to Jubitz. He, there's a running joke that Jubitz. he says about me. He goes, you know, if you'd stay away from Jubitz. And I'm like, I've only been there one time, and that was to drop off mail at their mailbox. Look here, Hookerella. <laughs> we know that's where you work. You're knocking on doors asking people if they want commercial company. <laughs> yeah, no. I, that is not yeah. me. You know, it, it, well, what, what people need to understand, too, is you, I mean, you're kind of older now. But, I mean, still, you are a very good-looking man. Oh, thank you very much. You know, even as you get older, it's not, I can see still your younger part, you know, the younger you, because I've seen pictures of you younger, too. I was telling Scott, I saw some pictures of you on your wedding day, and when your kids were little, I'm like, damn, he was good looking, you know? Yeah. So it would have been easier for you to pick up women, (laughs) (laughs) you know? It's like, I had a girl tell me I was totally fuckable. I was like, really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I can see that. I can see that. Where's the bedroom at? Where's, where, where do we go with this? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So prove it. <laughs> prove it. Yeah. No, but yeah, it's, it's like, so some, because some people, it's like they see, you know, these killers when they're older, like Arthur Shawcross and everything. And they're like, why, how would anybody get with that? You know? But at the same yeah, time, it's like there are some that are very good looking, like Ted Bundy, and you were very good looking. Israel Keys, very good looking. So you know, you, you know, can kind of see. I it. wasted a lot of years. I could have been out there, right? <laughs> right, exactly. What yeah. were you thinking? Then you would have been <laughs> a man more. Yeah. Oh, he yeah. <laughs> would have been a Scott Junior. <laughs> yeah, I would have been a whore. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, what right, I call man. Scott. Yeah, she calls yeah, me a right. whore all the time. I would have made myself available. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I had no shortage of girlfriends. Let me just tell you that. Right, and you know, I, but I when had you no shortage, I had I had girlfriends. You know, it's like yeah. a girlfriend in every port. You know, and I had one in every town, and 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 it seemed like every time I stopped, I, I could pick one up. Right. It just yeah. That way. Well, and so. Yeah, so it's like people, you know, need to understand, too, that when you are, are attractive like that, you automatically exude some por- some sort of comfortness with people. Because, you know, you don't well, have that very, look like you're crazy. So yeah, but I, women I, would I, be I, willing to approach you. I talk you. to girls like, well, I talk to girls because they're girls and they're, 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 they're people, too. Well, yeah, hookers are people. I realized that, you know, I wasn't shy anymore. I, I was right. shy at one point, but at, at some point I decided, you know, the hell is it? You know, the only difference between a woman and a man is the sex organs are the, on a man is on the outside and the sex organs are the girls on the inside. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's all there is to it. Yeah. And once you get past that, that concept of that, mm-hmm. all you're dealing with is emotions. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And that's true. Yeah. You know, yeah, because you, like you don't have like to, you don't have to hide behind uh, a persona. You, you you go after if if you. It's like it's like when a girl's walking and she's swinging her thing, right? Right. I I, had, I came out of Dad's restaurant there in St. John's, Oregon, right? And I was walking. I came up to the to the shoulder of the road, and I had to come across a crosswalk. And there's a girl in front of me that I'd never met before in my life, and she's. She said, walk this, you know, I said, 
where are you going? She said, walk this way. And I looked at her and I said, I can't walk that way. I'm not built like you. <laughs> <laughs> My hips don't swing that way. <laughs> but, and then she was swinging it too, right? Yeah, and I exactly. I walked her to her car. She got her in her car and I ended up kissing on her, of all things. I don't know yeah. why, because she was beautiful. And the fact that she wanted to kiss, and she said, if we only had a bed, we'd go play. And I said, my truck's right over there. <laughs> right. I have a sleeper, and I actually I I carry my bed here. with me. <laughs> and in the morning, we wake up, and I don't even know her name, right? Yeah, true, true. Yeah. 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 No, it's, I mean, because like I said, it's like it's you are somebody that people would have felt comfortable approaching, you know. Yeah, but, uh, but I'm six foot six. At the time yeah, that's was, true, too. But even then, because, you know, the, the big guys aren't the, aren't the problem. It's the little right. guy with an attitude. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's usually what it is. And I don't see you as the type of person that would have had that, at, you know, like an arrogant attitude, which is a big turnoff oh, for women. Well, see, I know that in court. See, when I went to court, mm-hmm. I made sure to look at the bottom of the lens of the camera so I didn't appear arrogant. Right, right. You have right. to look down. You don't want to look up. You don't want to, because I'm a tall man anyway. So I always right. made sure that I was looking down so that I didn't appear to be outstandish, like like, right. like, a, like an arrogant personality where right. you like your head up in the air like everything's okay. Right, exactly. I always tried to look down towards the cameras to to show my full face so that I don't have I don't have that look like I'm, right. I'm uh, being outstandish or not. Right, exactly, yeah. exactly. So it's bad enough that I'm six foot six. It's bad enough that I'm tall, yeah. and at that time I was like two hundred and twenty pounds. I was in very good shape. Right, and so I was a you know I was I was someone I that they, they would look at as somebody that they would like to be with. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, I got a minute left. And All right, we'll 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 continue this next Saturday. Okay, you got her, but take care. We'll talk to you later. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. So that was a pretty damn good call, man. It It was a good story. Good story. It was. It was interesting on how he met Angela. Yeah, very. And how everything lined up. (laughs) And at the same time, it's like, this is not the first time he's mentioned something that he did on my birthday. I'm like, dude, my birthday goes, yeah, a lot happens on your birthday. I said, I noticed. (laughs) But no, what I wanted to... What I wanted to touch on, because we talked about it with Briar, about how when she started writing to these people, you know, for research for her book, she got marriage proposals. And I have yet to get one. I know. I know you're jealous. But at the same time, we kind of talked about that with Keith, too, this time, is there are, you know, I don't know if you'd refer to them as groupies or just, you know, devote fans, devoted fans. Devout? Yeah, that's it. Whatever. I'm not thinking straight today. The devout fans that, like, they want a piece of that. And, you know, the fact that he's had visitors because of all this and pretty much because he is a serial killer. Yeah, it kind of makes sense, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's kind of, you know, kind of, like, cracks me up that it's like, there are really people out there like that. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and if it's not one, if it's not the groupies after the serial killers, it's the serial killers after somebody else, right? <laughs> Just marry me. <laughs> I, that's how I feel about Patrick Kearney. I know, I know you do. Just want to sing him one love of these songs. days. One of these days. 
He's a cheating whore, but I'd forgive him. <laughs> I'm going to go down to Ione and just my, my boombox. That's right. <laughs> uh, Patrick. <laughs> Make sure it's uh, during their yard time. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a perfect time to do it. It's perfect access. That's right. That's right. Like, Patrick, <laughs> over here. And even if he's not outside, the inmates would go back and say, hey, Patrick, some crazy psycho dude is outside serenading you right now. <laughs> It'd be perfect. It'd be perfect. Yeah, totally. All right. Remember, you can send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check us out on Medium, Crime Beat on Medium, or wherever you get your blogs. This show's copyrighted 2022 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved, and we will see you guys later. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>